Hello. Hello, John. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to our annual Charles Nelson Riley episode. (laughs) Oh, everybody looks forward to it every year. Remembering the great (laughs) man. Oh, God. What? 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 Nah. <laughs> just trying to just trying to peg the needles. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, just peak it, just peaks, Peek peaks and valleys, needles. peaks and valleys. Peak them. Yeah, here we are again, huh? Yeah, how do you feel about birds today? Don't like birds. Oh, oh, mm. oh, 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 right. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> I forgot it's a bit. No. Uh, no, it's not. It's we don't have bits on this show. Here's a, here's a funny here's a funny thing. I think one goes through stages in life with birds. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. like maybe when you're little, you're like, oh, it's a bird. And you're like, hey, that thing then flies. Then you say, it's a plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Faster well, than a speeding locomotive. But yeah. he uh, he's a good man and thorough. But you see a bird and, and you go through phases. And maybe at some point you're fascinated by birds. Then you learn to do the little drawing. You know, there's all this kind of like... Um, Super simplified things kids learn. You do a little kind of a check mark thing that looks like a seagull. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were talking about like draw, draw fluffy and get get into the uh, uh, cartoon academy. Oh, right, the Ernest Hemingway School of Longhand Drawing, <laughs> or something. Uh, yeah, right. But, sure. Okay, fla- flash forward a little bit because we got a check show mark. To do. We got a I'm going to try that. We got a show to do here. No, no, okay, no, no. Sorry. Imagine you're drawing like a furrowed brow. Okay. Kind of like you go floop floop. You know what I'm talking about? Nope. You make a seagull. You make a seagull. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, oh sure, 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 sure. Yeah, what do you, you call make that? A seagull. What would you call that yeah, graphically? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you've been yeah, to school. What, what is that called? <laughs> I'd called the, yeah, Jonathan Livingston. Oh, that's right. He soared and soared. Yeah, God bless him. No, you know, they told him he couldn't. They told him he shouldn't. My grandmother had did. that book. It always seemed real peculiar. You, yeah, you always wonder how your relatives uh, find hippie stuff. It feels like, uh, it feels like, uh, like a pan to uh, recklessness. Hmm. I read it. I loved it. Hmm. I, I've been Jonathan Livingston Siegel every day since. Good for you, man. Yeah, just, just uh, you know what? I just want to go as fast as I can. I just want to, I just want to fly faster. The headlines tell you that everybody needs more encouragement, but hmm. the dirty little secret is a lot of people could use more discouragement. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, know what I'm I like to think that we we provide that we provide that John, uh, not discouragement, John, but a, but a, but a corrective, a necessary corrective. I want to talk about birds more, but I, I just yeah, yeah. related to pets. We uh, we went to uh, a pet a pet big box store to get some lizard supplies. Is it called something like Pet Store? Yeah, PetSmart. Yeah, I don't want to give them an ad, uh, but well, we just um, did though. But we're all we're trying to do, John. All we're trying to do, we, we walk to the zebra. We we cross. We cross, it's a huge parking lot. It's like a Florida sized parking lot. There's ample ample parking. And we what got part we got, of San Francisco is, is it's the part of San Francisco pastor. called Daly City. Oh yes. We don't we Named don't after we don't, don't, George Daly. Uh, George Daly or <laughs> his uh, yeah and his his associate uh, Robert City. Uh-huh. And <laughs> you're in a good mood today. I like this, John. This is a fun, John. Oh, well, so we, two minutes. Well, what are we in? Uh, three and three and a half. We, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at that age. I'm at that age, uh, you know, where I have to pee eight times in the night. Well, I don't I, know if that's an age or if that's so that I have, uh, that I have cancer. Okay. But either way, it makes me jolly. <laughs> that's so funny. Cause one of my bullets this week is talking about segmented sleep. Oh, well, let's return to that and birds. 
Okay. Anyway, okay, all I'm okay, trying okay. to say to you, John, John Roderick, is you know the struggle is real. We walk to the zebra in the Florida-sized parking lot. We cross the the designated crosswalk area, and you know there's that sort of like a concrete apron, like in front of you. You take you a Target or a Bed Bath and Beyond, or in this case, a PetSmart, and there's, there's a concrete apron. And oh, wow, 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 concrete apron. And there's families walking all abreast. They're all walking abreast, like a great flank. They, they, they are, it's, it's like they're doing some kind of a slow motion line dance and they're walking. We've, we've talked about this. We've talked about the, the, uh, the, the walking abreast. Oh, John, it's, it's, I, I don't think you're allowed to walk abreast unless you are having a, unless it's a wedding photo. If you two teens with your hands in one another's back pockets, I will allow it. That's as many abreast as you get. And otherwise you fucking move. You go two across to let two walk by. All I'm trying to say is I turn, I turn to my, my, my kid and I say, it's, it's keep moving and get out of the way. A lot of people forget that. I don't think these people listen to our program because it's, it's so fucking real, dude. It's like, how are you not thinking about your fucking six? There's if you are people, you're six abreast you, and six behind you, six o'clock behind you. People need to walk. If you're traveling as, as six people, what you need to think about is traveling in the form of a DNA helix. Okay, okay. Which is to say that you are moving in and out of one another. You are constantly, you are weaving a rope together. If you if, if uh, each person was leaving yes. some spidey uh, webbing behind them, yeah. by the time you get through a crowd, you should have woven a beautiful, a beautiful rope of some kind. You know, you uh, uh, a hemp, a hemp, a hemp, a hemp Spidey Spooge rope. But I mean, uh, it's really uh, yes. it's an elaborate civic dance that we're all we oh, should all be yes. performing. And your children should be taught how to. If you see a knot, if you see a knot of people coming, yeah. if you see some kind of cluster, they should be. They should. They should know. They should be trained to go wide. You go wide. Mm-hmm. I'm going in. I'm going straight through. Don't stick with me. Mm-mm. You go wide. You take them, you know, you, you come at them from the side, right? You're flanking maneuvers, yeah, everybody yeah. out to the side and then back in. You cross me. I'm going to cross over this way. We're going to make it through this crowd. We're going to be, we're going to be going three, four times the speed of the rest of these people. It's a citizen march. The uh, yes, well, here's here's one way to think about it. I haven't really thought this through, but keep moving and get out of the way. So you're walking yes. six abreast, like a bunch of fucking monsters, no. like a hexa monster. No, and not now, me. No, don't say I'm no, doing no, that. No, you don't do that. I they do that. And what what yeah, I want them to think is, about is is two situations. Yeah. One is there's six people in front of you walking like that. How's that feel? Oh, oh, now we're a parade. Oh, look now at we're the, a marching around the flagpole. And now, team. And what if six people you cared about were behind you? Just trying to get on with their life and do the civic dance. What mm. you, you realize what a monster you are? You're annoyed by the people. Now all of a sudden, guess what? We're back at United Airlines and everybody's putting their fucking seat back. Oh right? come on, take your shoes off, why don't you? Oh, they did it to me. I like to put it on the bulkhead. I just like to be comfortable. What's wrong with that? You know you know you know uh, you know what I do with my little girl? I've I've been doing it for years. In a mall uh of some kind. Or a crowded situation like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, one within within with with within certain like confinements Mm -hmm. i will say okay here's what you're gonna do i'll pick a spot uh that i can see in the middle distance someplace uncomfortably far away but still visible to me i'll say you see that up there you see that place you know whatever it is see that that green pole or see that big plant or that weird light i want you to go there Mm -hmm. and once you're there I want you to turn around and 
find me and make eye contact with me and wait for my signal. Mm -hmm. And when she started doing this, when she was four or five, wow. And she would wander, you know, toddle off through the, the crowd through the, um, you know, and I've had my eyes on her the whole time. Sure. And as you, as you know, I have superhuman speed, and any mm -hmm. parent does. If and, their and, child and stealth. Is if you need to and do it, you can, you, can, you can transform and do what you need to do to stealth through the crowd. So off she goes, and then so once it does she, take, it takes bravery. A kid that age, I think that takes a lot of bravery to let them go away from you. Yeah, it's well, and it's the, you know, it's the bravery that you enculturate. In mm -hmm. a person, because you, you, what I, what I'm teaching her is that we are in connection, even though it seems scary, even though there's all this hullabaloo and, and, and you might feel lost, you're not lost because if you can see me and I can see you, you're not lost. And so off okay. she would go. But, it's, but it, go you, it takes, it takes rehearsal. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we wouldn't, the, the first time I didn't, I didn't say like go on a mile and a half away, but you know, we, I would do things like if there was, if there were two entrances to a store mm -hmm. and I could, and I could see them both, I would say, you go in, you go around this corner, a blind corner where I can't see you for a second mm -hmm. and then come in the other door Oh, wow. and she would go, okay. So she would go around the blind corner. I wouldn't be able to see her. And then she'd come in the other door and I would. And that little, those little things where she was out of sight for a second, mm -hmm. even though I knew, you know, every, I knew where she was. The only danger would be if a giant, like a, a giant eagle from middle earth swept down in that yeah. three seconds, she was out of sight. But so we worked on it, worked on it. And then the experience of the experience for her and for me of her being a long way away out of voice contact in a noisy, crowded environment, but turn around and look at me, and we would look at each other across a great distance, and I could, and she and I had worked on hand signals, you know, like, go left, go right, sit well, down, like, like, wait. Like, like crouching soldiers in a movie where you do the two and the point, and you yeah, do this and yeah, that. Yeah, 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 we've, we've had that since, uh, 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 right when she could talk. I would send her across the room and I would say, all right, wait for my signals. And I would kind of move my hands and she would sit down and then she'd stand up and run over there and, you know, like st stuff at a distance. You're training a super soldier. <laughs> but, but the fact that we could see each other across this crowd yeah. and then I would, you know, I'd give her a hand signal like, okay, like I'm, I'm coming to you. You're coming to me. We're going to meet in the middle. Just the, just the awareness of, I, I, I think what it is is, the awareness that you are working toward a point in the distance and the people in between you, the obstacles in between you are immaterial. Mm -hmm. That you are, you know, you're weaving not because you're, you don't, you don't weave through a crowd for its own sake. Mm -hmm. You weave through a crowd because you are on an appointed mission that, that is, that is above the, the level of the, of the snorks who are, filling up the but other it's human also a space. metaphor for, it's a metaphor for life I don't want to make it too serious but it's kind of a metaphor for life in the sense that uh, there are there are going to be points sooner than either of us would like when we're going to have to uh, have a certain amount of faith that will be underpinned by training in how we get to a goal even if we aren't always next to each other whether that's getting to school or whether that's getting into college or, or whatever like there's there's a certain amount of trust that has to be built by rehearsing in low stakes environments that lets you like learn the basic skills before you have to deploy them in a, in a military environment. What was the first time you were left alone? How old were you? Um, like at home? 
Yeah. I mean, the first time as a child that you were left uh, unattended. Um, I, I have memories. I talked to my mom about this recently. I do have memories of, uh, it would be after my dad died. So I was probably eight or nine, but I do remember like being able to like go out and wander around, go to the playground, uh, near our house that was kind of in eye shot as far as being fully home alone, latchkey style string, string, in, uh, can of string around the neck, uh, 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. What about, what about I, you? <clears throat> well, you know, they used to um, they used to take me to the airport and they would put me on a plane and then the other the other parent would be at the other end waiting for me. I did that. So I did I that when the, I was seven and it was awesome. Yeah, I had that experience a lot. My mom trained me pretty pretty extensively. Trained me to take my little sister, who at the time was five, probably take her on the bus with me and come meet her downtown. And that involved riding the bus from the bus stop up at the corner, uh, the city bus into uh, up to, well, down to Northgate mall. How, how, old, how old are you here? She's five and well, you're I'm eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then transfer at Northgate to the downtown bus, take it to the Bon Marche and then get off the bus and walk down Second Avenue to Pioneer Square with her and meet her for, you know, meet her after work when she was working at King County. So, no, wait, I would have been, yeah, nine, mm-hmm. maybe. But still, still um, by, by today's standards, a pretty tender age. Well, and, you know, and she, she we, we did dry runs. She taught me how to. Um, she taught me how to uh, read the the bus schedule. She taught me how to talk to the bus driver to make sure that you know, make sure what was happening was was um, what was intended. You know, I would get on the bus and I would say, "Here's what I'm doing. I'm going to this bus." And you know, bus drivers are helpful, but uh, but you know, I I was definitely a latchkey kid by ten, um, where I came home from school and kind of had a key around my neck. My dad never locked his house. Mm-hmm. So I didn't need a key. But um but I've started to talk to to my little one like what do you think about if I went to the store? What wh- where would you be at with that? If yeah. I went to the store and came back and you were here by yourself, what would you think about that? And she said, "Hmm. I think I'm almost ready." Yeah. And I said, okay, all right, almost ready. Let's be in that place for a while. Almost ready. And, you know, and like, what if I just go to the store and get some milk? And she's like, I'm almost ready for that. And bef- before I suggested it, I think she was like, I, I should, you should leave me alone mm-hmm. sometimes. And just like, let me just, you know, be in. The, and I was like, okay, what if I go to the store? And she was like, yeah. almost, almost ready. I, you know, I, because I don't know. What are you going to do when she goes to college? I know. What are you going to do then? This this last just, for just real quick for how she's eight. Is that right? Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this last year has been um, uh, like I, I just I'm kind of still waking up to how much has changed in the last year. Uh, and selfishly, my biggest surprise is that I've survived it. But um, when I'm if I'm being honest, like it really is incredible how much has changed in the last year. So for us, yeah, same same kinds of discussions over time, and you know. Something I, I said to my lady a uh, pretty long time ago, and I still really believe, is that when we do stuff that encourages her to be independent and to be in situations where she'll have to make 
decisions and have situational awareness about what if this happened. Uh, it's something we all three have to practice. It's <laughs> it's not just her. And I, I have to every nope. time either my, my wife or I get flustered about not being able to see her on Find My Friends or wondering what part of the park she's in or whatever, we have we try to remind each other that this is for us too. This is this is us rehearsing too. Um, mm-hmm. anyway, long story short, the amazing part is like, we, we went from, I don't remember how long ago it was. She started having time alone, but, uh, sometimes what we do is I walk, I go to school and get her and come home and then I'd walk her to the house and then I'd go to my office and then that became, you know, her walking home alone. And now she takes the train home from school by herself. Yeah. And it's, but like that happened, <laughs> that happened so uh, f- seemingly in my brain that happened so fast, but at each stage, there's been more and more like a funny combination of like, on the one hand, yes, go and do the independent thing. You have, this is what you've been training for, but also of us being able to go like, just stay out of her and our way in, uh, letting this thing be what it is. Because right. the, the beauty of the low stakes is, I've talked to Syracuse about this a few times is the beauty of middle school in some ways is it doesn't seem low stakes. It'll be 20 years before you realize how low stakes middle school was it's horrible <laughs> i know it seems so high right stakes. high school get, stuff gets real that's that's when you really yeah. develop a permanent record and stuff sticks but you have the opportunity to screw up in middle school and because you're so focused on the uh utter dumpster fire shit show socially you may not realize that this is a chance that things can go a little bit uh pear-shaped and you'll be okay mm-hmm. so anyway yeah. i just just to say like <laughs> i i feel you on that and i think you you're probably way ahead of me on this issue but just to uh, encourage the idea that it's training for everybody, that yeah. everybody's got to fucking chill out about this. You know what I mean? Not panic. When you feel like panicking, that's the opportunity to not panic because that's what that's you're right. training for. Dry run, dry run. Always yeah. a dry run. There's a great episode yeah. of The Wire, actually a very good episode of The Wire, uh, in season, I think in season one, where McNulty and his sons are walking around. Uh, in um, in Baltimore, <laughs> and he sees Stringer Bell, and he goes, "Hey, you guys want to learn a game? It's called Front and Follow." And he <laughs> teaches his sons how to do a police. I don't know if it's real, but it's a police <laughs> no, technique. I love that. That, yeah, that he calls Front and Follow. So he enlists his elementary age children to track the like genius behind the crime family. <laughs> I always think of that. Like that's what you've been training for. Be ready to go and find Stringer yeah. Bell. You know, you come, right. you come to the game, you best not miss. <laughs> we were, uh, she and I, we were sitting around the other day and she was like, what do you want to do? Like, let's watch a movie. And I was like, let's go for a walk. And she always hates to hear that because mm-hmm. it usually means like, here we go. <clears throat> so we put on our stuff and we walked and walked and went, went down to this, to a neighboring town, walked down to a neighboring town and we got down onto the beach and the tide was out and there was a big sort of there was a, a spit of land that, that went out into the ocean and there was a kind of um, an internal pond that the tide went out and had left this pond, but it was a big pond, like a, um, a tide pool, but it was, I don't know, like uh, half a mile across by three quarters of a mile long. I mean, a giant pond, mm-hmm. maybe not that big, half a, half a mile long by, by a quarter of a mile across big, too big, too big for, for a person to, um, not, I mean, you can, you could obviously see people across it, but anyway, it was a big pond Yeah. and she and I walked out on this spit of land and we got down and <clears throat> she wanted to walk on the pond side and I wanted to walk on the ocean side. 
And so I was like, fine, walk on the pond side then. And I'm walking along, I'm looking at crabs and whatnot. She's now, you know, kind of far away from me, but we're still on the same spit. And then uh, there's a little old lady walking along. And the little old lady and she meet, and they start up a big, lively friendship, kind of in the distance, talking about whatever clams or <laughs> or uh, whatever people talk about out on a spit of land. I usually avoid people out there. Mm-hmm. But I, so I'm walking, I get over here to the end of the thing, and eventually I sort of mosey over, and they're just in a, they've been in this long animated conversation, and I come over, and the woman is from Inglang, <clears throat> and she's, you know, kind of marveling at how big the the uh, sea life is in the Northwest. There's a sort of seal over there, and they, there are big clams. So we're all talking, all talking, and um, eventually we split up, and the uh, the British lady starts walking back and we, we go out to the end of the spit. <clears throat> and when we finally get out there, I said to her, didn't this used to connect over here to the other side? And she said, I, I thought it did. And I said, <clears throat> well, it's not connected anymore. And in fact, it's kind of a rushing, it's kind of a torrent. And as we stood there, we realized that, oh, shit, the tide is coming in. <clears throat> Not only is it coming in, but it has washed out uh, our escape. And, you, wait, 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 it watered out your means of egress? Yes. Oh, and no. Not only, like, the tide came in, and now where what was seemed like not that long ago when we, when we arrived out here was a little land bridge. Mm-hmm now was under like four feet of ocean. Oh, and that's, we turned that's, a, around. that's a situation. It, it was. We turned around and looked back along this very long spit that we were out on the tip of and realized that it was a much smaller spit than it had been only moments ago. Oh, wow. Ocean, oh boy. Wow, wow, wow. Ocean on <laughs> one side and ocean on the other. And I was like, sweetheart, <clears throat> we're in a we're in a little bit of a situation here. Do you do you see the situation we're in? Do you do you do you see where we are? Mm-hmm. And she was like, Is the tide coming in? And I said, It's coming in fast. And she said, Let's run. And so we started to run. <laughs> and at, you know, as we run, we're we're seeing the, we're, you know, the tide's coming in all around us. And then we look up ahead and we see that the other side of the spit, the, the other connection to the land is now underwater. So now we're on an island. Oh my God. And it's a very low island. It is an island that will be 100% submerged in. You're not, not going to want to sleep on this, though. You need to. You need to. <laughs> no, <laughs> you need to get some long, nautical st- miles under you. <laughs> we're still a long way oh. from the other side. Oh God! And then I notice the little old English lady is just meandering around, not paying attention. Uh, also, still on this island now, just sort of peering out. La di da di da. Oh, isn't it nice? Lovely. And so she and I are running now, and I call out to the English lady, you know, Mum, mm-hmm. hip hip, tide, tide, <laughs> tide's coming in. <laughs> what? 
And so then she goes, oh. trouble down the mill. <laughs> and so we all start to head back to what, where we would have crossed back to land if it was still connected. So, so, wait, she, <clears> she, we, so she, she heard and understood your, yeah. uh, okay. I sort of, I waved my hands around and was like, look, do you notice that there's no, yeah. we're, we, we have all made the same mistake. So we all hustle to the, to a, a, the, a common point and we get there and the three of us are now surveying um, a pretty wide stretch of sea between us and the and the the opposite beach, and the water's moving fast. You know, it's the, the it's do not just sense, the, you have a sense of how moving. deep the water you need to get through at this point is. Oh, it's a. <clears throat> you said four feet. No, well, over at the other end, it was at this point. No, the water is calf height. Okay, but it's. But it's, you know, it's filling up and it's cold. That's the thing about water, though. You only see the top. You only see the top. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you learn that when you're driving. When you're driving and you see a puddle, you see, you're seeing the top of the puddle. You see the top. That's right. You don't see the bottom. And sometimes the bottom is all the way to hell. Mm. You don't know know until you drive into it. You can see the bottom because it's covered with clams. Mm -hmm. Oh. And so we, we all look at each other and it's like, well, I guess we're getting wet. And the, the English lady, and I'm about to like pick up my kid and the English lady and carry them across this torrent. Mm-hmm. And the English lady says, yep, time to take our shoes off. Roll up our pants. And I said, right, of course. What was I thinking? I don't, I don't want to get in here and get, my, get, get all wet. So we all take our shoes off. You know what, I'm moisten we, your knickers? You don't want to moisten your knickers? No, it's, <laughs> we have a lot of ground to cover yet today. And so we all take off our shoes and roll our pants up above our knees and the three of us wade in and the, you know, water's moving and people on shore are kind of have all stopped to watch to see if the three of us survive. Imagine for locals, that's practically a sport because I I really doubt you're the first people that this has ever happened to. Oh, here's the thing. We are locals. We just don't know because it's one of those things where there it's where we were is also where a river enters the ocean. And so the, the river is always changing. You know, when the tide goes out, the river every time makes a sort of new path across the beach. And then the tide comes in and it washes out what had been the riverbed. And then the next time the tide goes out, maybe the river goes over here. Maybe it goes over there. So, mm-hmm. the, so the beach is always changing from time to time and there are sandbars and spits and whatnot. It all, it's, it's like always in motion. Anyway, we crossed over to the other side and I was, you know, I was impressed by the little old lady, but she had that English in, intrepidness mm-hmm. where she was like, onward. Uh, but I was, I was really impressed by how little panic there was in my daughter when she understood the situation. Yeah. And I think when she was younger, she would have, she would have panicked because she didn't, she didn't trust that everything was going to be okay. When mm. she was younger, she had that, and I don't know whether this is true of all kids or that was true of her, but she just, she never could be confident that everything was going to be okay. And well, now that's what some, makes the unknown so scary is it's unknown. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the problem. Know. You can imagine the worst thing in the world if something's unknown. She could imagine that we would drown and, mm-hmm. and. She had no evidence that we wouldn't, right, uh, up until a certain point. And now I feel like in her little heart, she has confidence that we are not going to – That she has confidence that everything's going to be okay. And this is just a problem to solve. And I've, I've been waiting for that 
uh, for a long time uh, because, you know, it's we've done so many dry runs on like, this looks like, this looks bad, mm-hmm. right? Not only did we run out of gas, but daddy's RV is on fire. What do we do first, <laughs> right? Like daddy's RV is on fire and we don't have cell service because we're at Mount Shasta. Mm-hmm. What do we do first? And she's like, no, 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 I'm asking you, tell me, what do we do first? <laughs> she's like, scream and run around. And I'm like, no, scream and run around is not on our list of options. And just sort of, you know, like walk her through like, well, here's what daddy's going to do first. Get you out of the RV. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The RV is on fire. Let's get out of it. <laughs> the fire marshal's going to be fascinated to learn that this entire thing was happening in an ablaze vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash supertrain. There are so many things that you can do with Squarespace. You can create a beautiful site to turn your cool idea into your new place right on the web, right on the internet. You can do that with Squarespace. You can showcase your work. You can have a blog or publish other kinds of content. You can have a gallery. You can sell products and services of all kinds. Promote your physical or online business. You can even announce an upcoming event or a special project, all this and so much more. Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers. Powerful e-commerce functionality lets you sell anything online. Get the ability to customize the look and feel, the settings, the products, and so much more with literally just a few clicks. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. And they have a new way to buy domains. You can choose from over 200 domain name extensions. And of course, they have analytics to help you grow in real time and built-in search engine optimization. Friends, this is free and secure hosting, nothing to patch or upgrade ever. And of course, they do have 24 by 7 award-winning customer support. They're encouraging folks to make it. Make it yourself with Squarespace. I am, as you might know, a huge fan of Squarespace. You are literally using Squarespace right now because that is, turns out, where we host the Roderick on the Line podcast. Always have. Huge fan. So please head out right now to squarespace.com slash supertrain. You can get a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SUPERTRAIN, and that'll get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the training training has been leading up to this. Let me, a question, question. Um, Because I feel like we've touched on this before, and I don't want to get to how different would that be how different would her reaction maybe i'm thinking of of your kid uh, circa two years ago three years ago but how different would her reaction likely have been if either a the english lady hadn't been there or b it had been her and your baby mama instead of you so i don't know how it would be if she was with her mother because there's a lot of performance I feel like in a mother daughter relationship that, that doesn't reflect reality. There's uh, I feel like there's a lot of performance in every relationship. They're just different kinds of performances. It's just, you, sometimes, you know what you can get away with, or, you know, like to the example I always give my kid, uh, now she's become a, a more, she's trying to you know, mostly be vegetarian. So she's had to find more food options. Uh, but for yeah. example, for the longest time, she would go visit her, her uh, aunt and uncle and she'll try anything. Like she, she'd eat a squid eye. And with us, it's like, you know, if the gravy touches the rice, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it, it's a catastrophe. 
You know what I'm right, saying? The meal like is in over. different yeah. situations, there are not maybe not implicit demands, but like almost like implicit uh, expectations or how how you want to perform for that person. She went on a trampoline like when she was like uh, like this big trampoline thing or a bungee thing at the mall, like with with her aunt when she was like six. And it's like who is this kid? Like she's scared to get in a different chair, which is with us, but with somebody else. You know what I'm saying? And you said before stuff like it sounds like she kind of um, how does one say? She toughens up a little bit around you. Well, so I, that, uh, you make a good point. <clears throat> I have no idea which is the performance, mm-hmm. right? The uh, the performance for me of being uh, unflappable, mm-hmm. or the performance for her mother, uh, where she would uh, panic and and become you know like un uh, unconsolable, mm-hmm. um, and and I feel like. Maybe I have been training her or asking her to be unflappable around me. Like that's the expectation is that we don't uh, we don't panic in a situation like that, but we we become uh, we become acutely competent mm-hmm. when things go wrong. Like competence mm-hmm. yeah. is super useful if you are just being competent when things are fine. But competence is like, the the only reason that you that you train to do it when things are fine is because you need it when things are are crazy. Yeah, yeah. So the, um, the, the, that uh, the productivity guy, like David Allen, says, um, the the last time, how is it? He says it. The last time, uh, how does he put it? That like the last time to think about you know you want to be thinking about your training is when you're getting jumped in an alley, and that that's why in in the martial arts you get hit in the face over and over, so that like being being hit in the face does not like take you completely off your game. I mean, I'm not a martial artist, but that makes a lot of sense to me. I think be, being in a low stakes environment that you, where you train seriously prepares you for the times where it's high stakes and it takes that situ- situational awareness to even realize it's high stakes and not panic yeah. and run and run in a circle. But whether or not like whether or not the <clears throat> <clears throat> who she is with me or who she is to what degree both things are a performance um I am I'm super super fine with the fact that she has at least learned to perform that way around me because hopefully she'll have access to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally agree. Yeah, when she needs it. But I think in a situation like that, you know, her mom. Part part of it is that her mom is more worried about her. Like you know, would be her mom would be anxious in that situation too. Mm-hmm. The English lady. D- didn't factor in because we didn't notice she was on the spit when we first started to try and solve the problem. When, when she said, let's run when, when we realized that we were getting, we were getting, we're going to get washed out to sea. Mm -hmm. And she turned to me and said, let's run. It was a, let's run with a lot of confidence. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, let's run. It was just like, let's like Mm -hmm. what what it was. She recognized running is the thing now. Yeah. Like this is, this is the best thing. And then when we saw the English lady, it became, uh, I think we both felt that she was a competent lady. And so it wasn't a rescue mission, but now we had a, now we had a partner Mm -hmm. and, and the fact that the fact that, uh, uh, we sort of worked together, right? We worked as a, we worked as a team. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but that's, you know, that, that wasn't, that isn't how it would have gone. A year and a half ago, I think right. would have been more panic. There would have been more blame when we got to the other side. She would have been mad at me 
that I'd put her in that situation, you know, like daddy, you should have known. And, and now it was just like, she just brushed it off her shoulder. Like it never, it never occurred to her. Well, cause it wasn't anybody's fault. Mm -hmm. Like it was clearly that we were, we just got into this situation. I mean, maybe the fault is that we ever left the house. That's whose fault it is. It is daddy's fault that we ever left the house, but having left the house, <laughs> you're always wanting me to leave the house. This wouldn't happen if we'd stayed at home and watched 30 rock. That's that's right. And maybe a year and a half ago, that would have been her, that would have been her, um, her default. She would have mm -hmm. said, why did we even leave the house? We could have just been home and now we're wet. And, but in fact, it, you know, this time it was a, it was a big adventure. And then, you know, the next adventure, maybe the bigger adventure, is how do we get our feet clean enough to put our socks back on? Now we're standing on a wet beach. How are we going to get our feet clean enough to put our socks on? We can't put our socks on, the, on no, our feet in this condition. Highway. I'm going to ride it. This also, I feel like, though, underscores um, my, my other point, though, which is that when I say it's training for us as well, um, because yeah. I, I imagine we're not the only family where you know, your little kid, you know, your, your baby toddler like falls down and, you know, at a certain age, if they're hurt, they'll cry no matter what. But at a certain age, there'll be this weird, uh, interregnum where yeah. they, you, they get a panic look and then they look at you. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yep. And, and, they're and like, so at that we point, are going to cry or what's going to happen? Every yeah. family commits to a certain response to these things. Like, you know, most, most people in this day and age no longer say, oh no, or they'll say, whoopsie doopsie, or you're silly. <laughs> like everybody's got a different one that they do to like, um, I mean, and obviously if the kid has a massive head wound, you're going to intervene, but you have to train yourself to stop going, oh no. And, and move to your silly or whatever your your family's version of that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's I love your training. Doopsie. Whoopsie doopsie. Heard of whoopsie doopsie. Whoopsie doopsie because they're looking at you with the panic face. And if you get the panic face and they they can they are very sensitive to your cues. They're like dogs, right? That's the thing with a dog. Is a dog I think dogs love me because they know that I love dogs. They they see me coming and I am just I'm a dog myself. I am so goddamn friendly with a dog. Oh, it's all I can do dog. not to touch all the dogs. I love the dogs and I always I almost always categorically, especially a San Francisco dog, which is usually a very well socialized dog. I'm not talking here oh. about a Florida dog. That's a dog of a different color. <laughs> no, it's not a Florida. <laughs> that's a dog. closet dog. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a dog on a chain protecting the meth. But um, no, but like, uh, I think the little kids, I'm trying to say is I think it's a similar version of like, you're going to have to rehearse a lot of not saying, oh no. And you're going to have to remember to say oopsie doopsie and then not freak because that's how they're queuing. Oopsie doopsie. Oopsie doopsie. Uh, you know, my, my number one reaction to all things when she looks over at me to see what the reaction is, yeah, is I look at her and I just raise both eyebrows like, hmm. Really? Like, hmm? what, what do you make? What, what's, what's a person to make of that? That's really strange. Because <laughs> <What? laughs> it could mean so many, for me, I see you do that. That could mean so many things, failing yes. at seeing whether you're smiling or not. Like, it could be a, see, I told you, like, or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it could be how, you know, how you going to handle this ranger? <laughs> what, what does it right. mean? What does it mean, John? You're scared well, me <clears throat> It means all those things, but what oh, it, what it what it means is to her is what's going to happen now. Okay, exactly. Makes like, sense. A thing has happened. Yep. You've fallen or mm -hmm. you've spilled something, you dropped a plate, you yeah, your eyebrows are saying mm -hmm. and I'm like, "Hmm. Mm -hmm. Now what?" Now what? And now what 
is, you know, it throws back to her, throws the question back to her because she looks over like, oh, shit. Yeah. And a lot of the time looking over is like, am I in trouble or what? I mean, she's looking at at, at me saying, what's next? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what are you going to do? And I always mm-hmm. throw back to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what now what? Now what are you going to do? And sometimes I do it when she is in trouble, but I want her to I want her to put herself in trouble. You know, like in the sense of mm. uh if she looks over and is like, "Am I in trouble?" I look back and go, "Are you in trouble?" Yeah, I mean, I spend a lot of time this is a, a very frequent topic on the show I do at Syracuse is like, you know, being the being the as, as is like he in say, trouble? No, no, he's not in trouble. That's how I always begin our conversations. You're not in trouble. You're still a very valuable <laughs> member of the team. Um, but like I, I've said before, I feel like, uh, you know, Sisyphus pushing Cassandra up a hill where like mm. there are things where I'm like, uh, don't, don't, don't put your glass of milk there. Please don't put your glass of milk there. <laughs> the glass of milk is very near my yearbooks. Please don't put that there. Please, could you not put the glass of milk there? Or, or the glass of water. Please don't put the glass of water there. Glass of water doesn't go there. Please don't put the glass of water in front of the TV. It's on right the floor. by my yearbooks. It's my by my yearbooks. yearbooks. Don't put the bet on me for having yearbooks, but don't put the glass of water on the floor. And then you know what happens? What happens is the glass of water spills. And I am utterly oh calm. I am utterly calm and I don't do anything with my eyebrows. I merely come in with a towel and I clean it up because it's really just water. It's mm. the water is not the problem. It's the but wait, it's what if the, it's milk? If it's milk, that sucks because now I got no more yearbooks are milky. Well, what yeah. all I would say is though, it's not really the liquid, really. It's the decision. It's the um, choice. And so, like a better choice would be for that not to be there. And I'm trying to. I wonder often if that kind of haranguing of "don't put that there" eventually becomes blah blah ginger, right? Right. So I don't. I don't. I don't know because there's no way out of it. But the thing is, I will. God willing, um, <laughs> the creek don't rise. I will always be there to be the calm person when something goes wrong, I hope. Because I'm fortunate mm. enough to have a, a ADD, and all that's going to do is give me the dopamine to be calmer than I usually am. Isn't that odd? So I'm, I'm, I'm a good Johnny emergency boy. Like when things go wrong, it's like that's my entire life is waiting for things to go wrong. Because then the chemical gets shot into my body that lets me handle that well. <laughs> but it is ultimately it's the choice, it's the decision that I'm that I'm looking at here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was I'm I'm not somebody that dreams of having his leg cut off. Okay, but I am someone <laughs> who has who has thought for many years about what would happen if my leg was cut off. You mean like so, outside of a medical environment? Yes. If you like lost like, the to a train. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably where it started. When I was hopping trains, there were all uh, the number one thing that you would talk about when you met somebody else who was hopping trains or anybody even hopping trains curious. Uh, everybody has a story about somebody they know who got their legs chopped off <laughs> within that environment, you know, like in a train hopping environment. Yes. It's you, you standing around, you got an open can of, of pork and beans. Yes. What are we going to talk about? Mm-hmm. You know, there's always, it always ends up there. And so I got into, I got into this habit, I think of imagining myself in situations. I'd be in a situation and I'd be, you know, kind of confronting situations somehow. And then the thought would pop into my head. How would this situation be different if you only had one leg? If you had lost your left leg, it was always my left leg. If you'd mm-hmm. lost your left leg, now what would we, right. now where would we be? <sighs> and so I was, I, you know, sort of accustomed to, it's not a thing that I want. I'm not somebody that's going to get his leg chopped off to satisfy something in his, in his heart. 
but I do, I do run, I run that scenario. And over time I've felt like, am I, is this some sort of prophecy? Am I dooming myself to having my leg cut off at some point because I've thought about it so much? And then I have said, well, if that's true, I'll spend many years as the leader of the rebel alliance before that happens because right. I've spent much more time thinking about that. Thank you for your service. But you're welcome. But um, but lately, I've been thinking, talk about morbid. I've been thinking, how do I prepare my kid for when I die prematurely? Oh, boy. So that she knows, Oof. so that she knows what I would say if I were there, right? Like if my dad was here right now, I know what he would say. I know well, in a situation. Say, what would he say? How would he say? <laughs> He'd say, <laughs> He'd say, where's the bathroom? <laughs> but if he, if in any situation I get into, if I need my dad's advice, I just sort of conjure him. Are you like going to your mind palace? Yeah, a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, but he's there all the time, right? Yeah, I don't even sure. need to conjure him because he's always there going like, Oh, you fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be and so happy w- to know that he's, he's still there, not taking yeah. you down a peg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he really would, too. He really would be. And I think the thing Bart, is, I Bart, say to Bart, her Bart all the time. Done that. <laughs> I say to, I say to uh, her, my little girl, all the time, listen, you never met your granddad. But the thing is, he loves you. And I'm not saying that he would love you or that he would have loved you if he'd met you. He does love you. He loves you. And, you know, she and I, she, the other day, she was like, what's a psychic? I was like, well, hmm. here we go. <laughs> grab, <laughs> grab a juice box. <laughs> Honey, there's a thing called Suki. orbs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, we talked about religion quite a bit. And her grandparents are religious and you know, and she's developing a sense of like what her own take on stuff is, you know, religious stuff, what her take on like, you know, what it's all about. Um, but I, but so I think within her and my relationship, if I said like, your granddad is watching, she would say from where? And I would go, yeah, you're right. Okay. Like, it's, it's, it's a metaphor. But when I say, you know, he does love you, he loves you in the present tense because he exists still. And even if he only exists in me and, and my sister and, and your Nana and the people that knew him, he does still exist. And in that, in whatever form he is, he loves you pre- in the present. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you don't have to think of this grandfather that you never met as someone that you don't know what they would have thought or what, or, or how you would have measured up to them. Like, like he is, I can tell you all about him and I can tell you exactly what he would say and do as regards you. And I can tell you right now that he, that he's over the moon about you. Yeah. Yeah. But when I try and imagine, like, she's only eight, right? You have memories from being eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but they're not, like, they're not super clear. And you lost your dad at a young age, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And so to know what your dad would say and do, must <clears throat> that must be something that you've always wondered. 
right? Or, oh, or I mean, well, yeah. I mean, it gets another thing like my feelings about birds. It's really uh, evolved over time because uh, for a long time, I have absolute, absolutely known what, what I think my dad would uh, say or say or think or do in a given situation. And then, of course, as I get older, I think, well, that's my seven-year-old brain's idea of what my dad would say. I don't really know. The, the odd thing is, unless there is some kind of massive cover-up underway, um, people's estimations of my dad, uh, especially like personally, uh, are pretty uniform. But like, you know, he was a guy who would do anything for anybody. He was a, he really loved outdoorsy stuff and he's the funniest person that most of them have ever met. And like, you know, the, like a, like a true friend to a lot of people. And, uh, Mm. he was a very, he was a very gentle, very funny guy knowing that he loved, you know, the Marx brothers and Ernie Kovacs tells me a lot about his personality. Cause I also like, uh, you know, the the Marx brothers and Ernie Kovacs, but yeah, no, I, I, I know what you mean. Uh, we have similar similar situation where uh well i, I don't you, you, you'll throw back to you but but my um my kid has met uh two of her grandparents one she knew a lot more than the other but like she had a dream about my wife's mother the other night she's like yeah i, I dreamed uh, i dreamed uh, grandma steinus lived in a hot tub in the garage and drank wine and i was like that's really she cool. just died recently is that right yeah a couple couple three years ago she, but yeah she yeah. uh she's one of my all-time favorite human beings and uh and she loved my kid to death and um but no it's uh, it's strange it's strange it's hard to know uh you start to feel a little bit like am i going like like, like weirdly shinto in in like trying to think i know that much about these deceased people but uh it's difficult not it's difficult to completely reject the uh whatever is happening in my brain pan that lets me feel an extraordinary warmth and familiarity. Not exactly presence. I'm looking here at some old family circus cartoons where the grandfather, the ghostly grandfather is there. And oh, it still uh, is extremely upsetting to me. It's not really? that. Well, that or not me. I don't want either of them in my house. But, um, yeah. but <laughs> I want that fucking not me. I don't even want him in my neighborhood. He's always running away right when I need him. <laughs> I set traps for him. <laughs> I'm not that interested. Imagine? I don't want to bust ghosts, but I sure would love to. I would love to bust not me. Busting makes me you, feel good. Can you, can you imagine getting getting not me like in a bin, like oh. capturing him and having you him know, in a bin? That, well, that guy from the EPA would would just come and complain about it. You know, oh, that's true. That guy's oh. the real, he's the real hero, of Ghostbusters. So yeah, but, but to your dogs. point, it's it's uh, it's so strange. And uh, I have to be honest with you, I'm I'm uh, sent, I'm there's still just the tiniest uh, uh, bit enough of sentimentality in me that I don't over question that. On the one hand, like I'm not looking, I'm not like Billy Batson going and talking to the elders about like how I should be dealing with life. Um, it, it's not like that. It's not like a, it's not prayer. It's not spiritual, but there right. is, uh, I mean, something as simple as I exchanged some emails this week and as early as this morning with a musician friend of mine from Tallahassee that I haven't seen in 20 years. And uh, we wrote two we wrote really nice emails to each other. And he wrote an email to me today that just made me feel so good. And I, I really felt like I was in the room with him. Now, he's alive. Mm-hmm. He's, mm-hmm. But I haven't That's seen nice. him in 20 years. But I instantly right. felt as though we were at the cow house or we were in his basement recording, you know, the, the audio for this Ubu play we did. Like, whatever it was. Like, I felt like I was right there with Dave Morris. And it was the nicest feeling. So... You know, there's no reason you can't experience that and get something from it. I mean, you don't want to become a weirdo about it. You don't want to become no. like, you don't want to reach out to too many psychics. Well, and that we've talked about this, I think, quite a bit, uh, although not recently, which is that <clears throat> this that we're doing. I know you never like to uh, to talk about uh, 
the show because what's in the show is in the show. But what's mm-hmm. in the That's show is in the show. The show is the show. Yes, the show is the, the show, show is the show. Is the show. The show, the show is the show. Is the show? Yeah, is if, the if show. it comes out, it's the show. Yeah, and and so there is this incredible record. I don't. I, I maybe I should walk back from saying incredible, but there is a record, a ten year long almost <laughs> record. Let's say it's an eight year record. Eight and a, it's eight years, right? Isn't it eight years just recently? Yes, eight I guess. Years. I mean, this, what what even are numbers? Well, I know time yeah. is a flat circle, but it's eight. Let's say eight years mm-hmm. of just um, <clears throat> I don't know. We don't plan. We don't. We don't have a preparation for this. So it's eight years of whatever the is on our minds on Monday, mm-hmm. and that is available to anyone, even if we're died. Oh, if you and I are died, <sighs> it doesn't go away. I mean, you could try and turn it off, but it's too late. It's yeah. too late, Merle. You can't put this not me in a bin. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is the. <laughs> R O T L is the not me of the family circus of podcasting. <laughs> just a mischievous little ghost running away. So he's in my like, trap. Who did this? Who start? Who who said hashtag super train? <laughs> not me. <laughs> <laughs> who said all the great shows? Not me. <laughs> but but anybody that ever wants to know about us, I mean, they're not going to know us completely from this. But. But they would have a, they'd have a, a more of a starting point. You say you could train an AI on this. You feed this into an AI eventually, and and you're going to come up with something. Well, we've talked about that, but uh, but more did specifically, we did. That, I, I, we did that. Well, yeah, that was oh. uh, that was my that was my oh, thought experiment. Why you had a thought technology about that? Yeah, that's right. That's <gasps> right. Jiminy it, Christmas! That, that, that podcasters were going to be the first AIs because you have. Yeah, hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of hours of them just talking in their own natural cadence, not playing other <laughs> roles, not pretending to be. You know, I'm not. We're this, not pretending this, to be. Anything. This robot shows an extraordinary <laughs> level of interest in Squarespace. It's it's, <laughs> it's a new kind of hybrid mattress. No, hey, it's hey, whoa, 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 um. Oh, stop it! Stop it! Stop it! back. All right, all right. So, anyways, I mean, you know, and the, this this AI spends a lot of time in the bathroom. Strangely enough, I don't know what the, well, eating, what it is about chili that. and doing crosswords in a bathtub, sucking on chili dogs but, outside the Tasty Freeze. But more than that, it's like if I were to die. If, <laughs> if I'm, you were to die, yes. Let's say I'm died You're right died, now. Let's yeah. say I'm died. And in fact, everybody that's listening to this show is probably like, "Wait a minute, is he died?" Oh, geez. But let's say I am died. Uh, there will one day be someone listening to this very show after we are died. I guess, and they're going to wonder why is he saying it that way. And there's not going to be. He's not. Well, yeah. basically, he's going to go online, he or she, yeah. and uh, and uh, they're going to find that there are other people wondering that too. But that's not. That's not our business, yours and mine. Uh-uh. The fact is that if my child wanted to know me, mm. yeah. she would have this. And I'm talking yeah. about when she's 24, right? <laughs> like if you had if you had 300 hours of your dad talking about Ernie Kovacs, well, this is an interesting question. Would you listen to it? I uh, I can't talk about this too much because I'll cry. But um, I oh. do have a cassette tape of me interviewing my dad. Um, when I was five or six, cause I used to like to do radio shows and we talked about, I was asking about like what kind of movies he liked. And so, yeah, he's like, oh, I like the Marx brothers and the Ritz brothers and you know, all that stuff. So yeah, but, and that's, oh. that's an extraordinary document for sure. And it's, uh, it's very uh, sweet, but very difficult for me to listen to. But, uh, I, I, um, I, I do know 
what you mean. I feel it in real time living as a person, a fleshy person, just with the, I've told you before, the relationships in my head that I feel like I have with people on the podcast. Maybe for you, that could be music or, or books, but especially for me and podcasts, like I really feel like I know people in a way oh, that sure. if, if I went back and, and listened to 400 episodes of say the McElroy brothers, uh, after they, God forbid, uh, had passed, like I would feel like they were very much alive. It's that's part right. of the beauty. I mean, I don't want to oversell this stupid fucking medium that I love, but but it is really true. Like you, uh, you do have, uh, if you choose to, have an extraordinary level of access. I mean, on the bit level of like that was a funny bit. On the episode level of that was a you know C minus episode. On the like longer episode arc of like wow, this is when that guy was going through the divorce. Or on the big level of like wow, there's these themes and evolutions over time that right. track to what was happening in this person's life, and that can be like remember, really re oddly satisfying. Travis McElroy when he was seven years ago, eight years ago, a different. He was just such a he's such a little boy then. Yeah. Oh, uh, and now look at him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, a living monster. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, do, have we ever lost a podcaster? Is there one that's, do we have one that's died? Like in our, uh, has, have we had one that's died in our, in our world? Yeah, like Probably. our world. Probably. Like, but, but do we, I see this, you know, I do, see this is on uh, Metafilter on, on Matt Howie's site where that, that, that's pretty weird because there, I've met a couple. Well, I've met several people from Metafilter, obviously, like at meetups sure. and stuff. But like, there are some like some titans of Metafilter that I have met who have died, and that seems really weird. You knew Leslie Harpold, right? I did. Like when Leslie Harpold died, that was a really big deal. It's, I know. It's still, I she's not. You... She's not quite up there with Grandma Steinus, but I really think about Leslie Harpold a lot still. She she was wonderful, and you and I, uh, you and I have mourned her several times. Uh, well, she was. I mean, ways. she was such a uh, such a big personality, and like she was uh, to, to in like John Cabot Zinn. Uh, the name of his book, uh, The Full Catastrophe. Like, Leslie was the full <laughs> catastrophe. Like, dealing she her really was, was. <laughs> she was difficult to deal with. She could be a she real was. pain in the ass. And she was sad too. There was an awful she lot. She had, of like, yeah, she had a certain, she could have that, but she also, like, she, she was ex just extremely, uh, human. And I, I still yeah. feel, uh, it sounds so weird and creepy to say, not like dead grandpa, but I, I still feel her presence greatly. I have, I have so many people that I think about, like, even if they're not around me, I just think about, the whole reason I contacted that friend of mine in Tallahassee is he used to do these hilarious radio bits. And I was wondering if he had, you know, copies of that or especially like are they on YouTube and stuff like that. And of course, like every, everything from Tallahassee in the nineties, it disappeared. Right. Um, but, but like, I still think that I wrote him because I was saying, I still think about these sentences that you said in 1991. You said a sentence once in 1991 and I still think about it. Yeah. Like, what was it? What is the lesson we learned from Job? Um, uh, your friend, your friends suck and God's a betting man, something like that. Like he has these, these, there's, but like, that's not just him. It could be anybody. It's the same reason that I quote the McElroys. Like, I, I don't know. I have a very impressionable brain that right. where like anybody, I suppose, if I'm feel emotionally strong about something, emotional, feeling emotionally strong is the basis for a lot of what I do in life. Like for a long time, that was writing. Like nowadays, like I can super deeply enjoy a lot of media because I have such a strong emotional response to it. And when I, when one has an emotional response, whether that's a car accident or like a, you know, uh, what a, a bit about whether there's an olive garden in Austin, Texas, like that imprint, I imprint on that. 
Like, would, yeah. would you would you meet Joe Pantaleone at an Olive Garden, even though he keeps calling it <laughs> Pasta Garden? Like, why do I remember that? Why do I care? You plan ahead, Griffin. You bring a crusty bread, buddy. Why do I remember so many lines of that? Because it had an impact on me. So, is is yeah, it your odd at all? Suck and God's a betting man. God's a betting man, and and like, and but like, so why would it seem strange at all that we would nearly feel the presence of these of these people? You can feel your dad. You you know, at this point, God bless him that he didn't live long enough that you both had to like compete for the bathroom. <laughs> I, I, uh, you had a real situation there. <laughs> uh, me first. No, I'm the older. Uh, I, I, uh, so yeah, you're preparing reason, for you to have died. What do you do to prepare your child? That's I think where you left it. Well, I don't know. <clears throat> I'm not sure whether this. I I I honestly think that one terrible thing that podcasts have done mm-hmm. for my daughter because she. Her mother cannot listen to this program. Good for her. Uh, for for various reasons, and there are other <laughs> for reasons uh, are, of self preservation. <laughs> there are other of, of my four programs that she's like, well, you know, I've sort yeah. of to tune in, tune out. Well, Jeopardy uh, guy is very palatable. Yeah, and I she I don't think she's ever listened to Roadwork. Not a say, or maybe she listened to it one time and she she forced quit. Roadwork like, like Road, Road is uh, John Roderick uh, in difficult mode. Yeah. If you were a video game, that would be difficult. Though. <laughs> but you were a fire. very deep dungeon in that one. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's deep yeah, you're just going to run into some fucking bugbears. There's going to be some skeletons and shit. <laughs> but she loves friendly fire. And uh, partly oh, it fun. is because uh, of Adam. Uh, her her mom, well, yeah, because Adam is a sweetheart, but, charming, but yeah. you know, she studied film at, uh, at Santa Cruz. You know, she's a film person. And Shut she your dirty mouth. So did my wife. No, she literally studied film at Santa Cruz. Whoa! Okay. How did we never know this? All right, before? we're gonna have to circle back to this uh, uh, yeah. offline. Okay, so uh, so she appreciates the the discussion of film. She does, and so she listens to it in the car with the baby. Well, so <laughs> there are a lot of mature themes, right? But also, we do. I mean, I'm you know, I don't swear that much. You and I don't do a ton of swears. Mm, uh, yeah. When I do the show with Ken, we don't do any swears. There's uh, a great Ken phrase we have talked about my kid. No, just real quick, I've talked to my kid about this. Where like she's like, okay, can I watch this movie? And I'm like, no, you can't watch that. It has too much adult kissing in it. Uh, can I watch this one? No, that one has too much personal violence in it. This one, uh, the one phrase that sounds like a cop out that I think is actually extremely good is adult themes. This has adult themes in it. This has challenging ideas, sort of like when it's candle nights and you're not allowed to swear, but you can still talk about difficult things, challenging ideas. That's the thing about some shows. There may not be swears or handjobs or whatever, but it could have some challenging adult content. We've just, we have just uh, started to have that uh, as part of our conversation now where I say, "Mm, adult themes. And she seems to understand Mm -hmm. what that is. Because I do, I do the same thing that you do. I differentiate between like kissing. Mm-hmm. This movie's got kissing, lots of kissing, and she's like, "Hmm," and I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I feel the same way." And then you know, it's like, no. This one has a lot of blood and guts, and you know, the last couple of times she's been like, "Well, I don't care about that anymore." You know, like I can watch people get get hit in movies all the time, and I'm like, "I know that's kind of the worst thing about them," but yeah. But uh, but adult themes and she accepts it at least. And adult for now. themes She's are like, all, really they're all a flavor of this. But adult themes in particular are a way of you don't want to say this because it sounds so corny. But like you should be allowed to be a kid a little bit longer. You should not be burdened yeah. with an idea that will be inescapable to you soon. Yeah. Right. <laughs> let's so, let's leave adult themes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, leave him alone. But but the thing about listening to podcasts, listening to her father on a podcast, and it's generally a podcast about war movies, and one of the guys is a communist, and he likes to he likes to cancel things, and the other guy, Adam, just agrees with the last person who talked. And then there's me, who is extremely grumpy about everything, and also has a lot of arcane knowledge about about uh, airplane propellers in the 1950s. <laughs> And my daughter is listening, and of course she it's just like when she listens to my music, right? She's absorbing a lot more than anybody is aware. Well, the other day we were out for a walk, she and I, and she said, your motto is keep moving and get out of the way. And I said, well, it's not my motto, but it's, it's our motto. It's one of our mottos. And she we're, we're ignored just the con- we're, It's ancient wisdom, and we're the yeah, conduit. Right. She ignored me as I said that. Yeah. And she said, my motto is always go further. Whoa. And I said, your motto is always go further? And she said, always go further. Sort of chin up as, she, as we're walking. Whoa, okay. Always go further. And I said, okay. And so we walked along for a while. And we got, we came to some intersection or whatever, and we're, we're trying to decide what to do. And I said, always go further. And she said, that's my motto. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, sorry, I can't use your motto. And she was like, no, always go further is my motto. Chin up again and sort of off went. But the other, a couple of weeks ago or whenever it was, she said, I was, she, she wanted to know about Adam and Eve or she wanted to know about, um, you know, the creation story. Yeah. And so I told her the whole story. And you said you said that her maternal grandparents are observant. People. Yeah. Okay. And and um, <clears throat> I was telling her the story, and um, and we got to we got to the sort of you know the conclusion of it. And oh God, why am I blanking on what she said? Um, she said. You should do an omnibus episode on this, and you should call it um, what? What did she say? You should call it something like the Oh God, Merlin! It's driving me crazy oh, if I don't I hate if I don't remember it because it was a wonderful little thing. I wrote it down anyway because because of course um, everything is a tweet. It would be an omnibus episode on. The Genesis creation story. Yes, and but but it was but but it had something. She had something. Some uh, some observation about the apple and the the kind of the the trick inherent in it and and so forth. I forget what it was. I'm sorry. Oh, that drives me crazy. But it was <laughs> you know it was a cute little and and the thing is it's out there to be searched if anybody knows how to search and I'm sure 50 people will tweet it at me as soon as this episode arrives. But but so so a couple weeks go by. We haven't talked about it since. She just threw this title out there like you should do an omnibus episode on the tricky apple or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, the tricky apple. That's a good way of of putting it. Although her thing was way better. And then in our conversation about the psychic, she was like, "What you know? What's a psychic?" And we're talking about psychic. Yep, the psychic. apple of embarrassment. The thank you. There it is. The apple of embarrassment. That's How really good. It? How did you find it? Uh, it's on the internet. 
So she I said, can see stuff yeah, you put she, on the internet. She said, you should That's do an omnibus. That's a really good name. <laughs> yeah, you should do an omnibus on it. Call it, call it the Apple of Embarrassment. Apple Embarrassment, Snake like, of Shame. The Apple of Embarrassment, yeah. So anyway, we're, we're, talking about, uh, we're talking about psychics. We're walking along, we're talking, talking, talking. And she says, yeah, well, it's sort of like, you know, the way that granddad believes in heaven or like the Apple of Embarrassment or whatever. And she just drops it in there. And I was like, are you, are you memeing me? Did you, you've got, you've got memes already. <laughs> and I feel, I feel like, I feel like catchphrase. She understands catchphrase. She understands like that interrogate is funny yeah. because interrogate becomes bigger than itself. Mm -hmm. That And it, you is, know, it that is in the true sense of the original use of the phrase. Uh, viral, mimetic, like it, it's it's it gets passed around. Syracuse has talked about this. Like, how is it that everybody in this certain little area has started talking like this and doesn't even know why they're doing it? Because there are a lot of people D that do it now. Yeah, well, and and uh, and well, we saw that with all the great shows. It yes. started to pop up in places where it was like th there was some company that had it was trying to use it as their brand, right? Some po some what? podcast really? distributor. Yeah, oh, there was one of these podcast networks that was like all the great shows. Yeah, just out there in the like, ether. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever okay. you say. <laughs> but um, but but she wasn't trying to she wasn't trying to meme it, or, or I don't think she's she understands that it could become viral. It's something in the way she's wiring her brain to understand how humans communicate mm -hmm. when they get, when they say something interesting, when they, when they, when they collect a bunch of ideas down into a single sort of nubbin, mm -hmm. a little, a little uh, aphorism, like basically she's developing aphorisms and it's 100%, I think from listening to the aphoristic nature of the podcast that we do. Hmm. And that made me, I was like, oh, is this a, should I, I don't know what else I would do. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't know what to do. I mean, we listened to a lot of Led Zeppelin when we were young. Mm -hmm. And so that changed how we feel about uh, Mordor. Mm -hmm. And is this like, is this her Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, is she going? Is she going to be more influenced by the culture that are? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's in, it's interesting. Like the, I was very resistant to a lot of the meme stuff for a long time because it was so willfully stupid, and it's 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 weird though. Like, for example, there's this TV show I'm crazy into right now called Letter Kenny, which is this. Uh, it's it's just this really st stupid and hilarious and wonderfully written like Cone Brothers to the 10th Power uh, show in uh, rural Ontario, southwestern Ontario. And anyway, but it's, it's, it is on the face of it, like kind of stupid, but it's brilliantly written in a way that the stupidity is hilarious. Like again, like another t uh, podcast that I, I, I say this and I hope the boys know that I say this with incredible affection, but another show on um, X Fun, the flop house that I love dearly is like the latest episode I said on Twitter. Like I, I love when they lean into the stupid, like really just stupid, like, Oh, this word sounds like that word kind of stuff. And you're like, but you have to be really smart to make something that stupid good. 
And I think that's the funny thing about some of the meme stuff is that when that stuff is done well, it satisfies a lot of our like brain centers because it's, it satisfies sometimes it's the word drunk part. Sometimes it's the picture drunk part, but like, like all good humor, uh, it requires you to make a connection of some kind. And that's, the connection's too like spoon fed to you. It's not fun. But if you're the one who has to take those sort of, uh, clashing ideas and figure out what's special about it, like you're the one who has to connect those dots. Like the more and more sophisticated humor gets in some ways, the more it requires you to be the one who fills in the gap between these two parts. I don't know if this is making sense, Mm -hmm. but like, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that's, if there's there, like, I, I don't want, I would not, I would not prefer my daughter become somebody who just walks around saying I can't have cheeseburger because there's not much, (laughs) there's not much meat on that bone. But no, all our base are belong to us. I mean, it's funny, but it's, I mean, it can be funny again, but like, it's more that like, I do know what you mean. Um, so my kid and her mom just went out to breakfast a bit ago and she sent me, uh, my kid sent me a photo at Walgreens and it's a photo of a plastic bag, um, with, uh, Is it the with, most beautiful thing she's ever seen? No, not that plastic bag. It's a, it's a, you know, on a display uh, and yeah. a uh, an aisle at Walgreens, and it's just uh, it's basically just a, this bag with uh, it says on the front of it what's in it, and it's it's the it's the words adult poncho. So she sent me that photo, and under it she wrote adult poncho, and then I replied by saying adult poncho. Of course, and adult poncho. Okay, it's not a meme, but that was an extremely no. satisfying exchange. Because yes, we both, we both, we both, there's something, I don't want to spoil whatever that non-joke is, but there's something funny about adult poncho, a picture of it. And then us, so like, yeah, I mean, like, I think the sense of humor stuff is kind of different. Like, when's the last time you encountered somebody that's not a boomer walking around going, hey, I'm the Fonz? Like, stuff has changed. There's always been stupid pop culture that we feel clever repeating. I, I did a Monty Python bit of somewhat obscure Monty Python bit earlier in this show uh, in passing mm-hmm. because I'm, that's mm-hmm. the age that I am because I'm a Gen mm-hmm. Xer and that's, that's my idea of funny. So I don't know, man. For, for some reason, her mother has started to say to me, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm like, stop doing that. I bet and it's cute like, when she does. I bet it's cute when she does it. It's extremely cute. Well, so then she showed me the super friends mashup okay of the budweiser what's up uh commercial with super friends and i was like yeah i'm aware of it okay and she said isn't this amazing and i was like yeah you know it's a budweiser commercial and she'd never seen the commercial she had no idea it had any budweiser connection at all she just thought it was a super friends meme that some people had done we, we get that when and, we watch Vine compilations, where there'll be things where, like, there's a six-second video that is extremely funny, and it's and I, I, I find myself wanting to explain why it's funny, but she just gets that it's funny. Chris, is that yeah. a weed? I'm calling the police. Hits 420 into the microwave, and then the X-Files theme plays. There's, like, five different difficult-to-understand things in that six-second video, but it's my favorite Vine. It's so, it's so rich with, uh, with, like, packed comedy. But like, you don't know why it's funny, but you know, this is, again, for the third time, Syracuse, this is what he says about English stuff is like, when we watch something, when you're a kid and watching Monty Python, you, you don't, may not know why it's funny. And you may not know what part of it is funny. Like, is that actually a word? Like they, they say this thing different and like they, their whole, the whole attitude of British comedy is so different, but you know, it's funny, but you may not know why it's funny, but you know, people saying up what's up morning. is funny. <laughs> I woke up this morning thinking in Monty Python bits 
I don't know what it was. I woke up and just immediately was like inside of Eric Idle and just sort of walking through some some stuff. Uh, did you do it like, for a few minutes before you realized it was happening? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where I was just like, I'm just. Does she go? Does she go? And the launch. The larch. And I don't know what I was just, I was sitting there staring out the window just saying, the larch. The larch. I, I don't want to be like that, but I am. Sometimes I'll just go, when, antelope. Good woody words. That's why, why the, it's 50 years old. Why am I still doing that? I don't know. When, when I did go. Fishy, fishy. Where did he go? <laughs> All right, we're done. That's it. Monty Python's a flying circus. <laughs>